our season two co-host Trudell Perret, who you may know from episode one of this season as the 177 L Satter. How you doing, Trudell? I'm good. How are you doing, Shauna? I'm good, but I'm always good. And I'm always eating like delicious food. I've got these garlic fries. I know people that know me are expecting me to mention sweets, but I already ate my sweets today. So I mean these garlic fries and they're just banging. That, that's the good good. Greek Cafe, Silver Spring. My mom came over this week to try to have like dinner with me midweek, and she was like, she stayed for like an hour, and she was like, I'm going to leave, and you should drink. <laughs> I was like, okay, good note. You know, the crank that arrives in us, like that surges by hump day Wednesday, and like the difference that we feel on Friday, it yeah. kind of reminds me like taking the LSAT during official time pressure is like, taking it at the at 6 p.m. on a Wednesday. And for those of you that kill it on Wednesdays, you're probably great test takers too. But those of you that don't, I think it really kind of speaks to what you're saying. Like, we never stop the clock. We don't regain our fuel. We just keep pushing. And we've probably been doing it since Monday. So I think this is a good way to introduce our, our Mythbuster today before we get into our assumption homework review. I think it's a huge myth, don't you agree, that you can push through all the way to the end and your brain will just keep up with your expectations? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think it's not even just your brain. It's like your body, too. And I know you talk a lot about like how your brain and your body are really interconnected. Like That's so important. And I think it's something that, like, especially if you're really grinding, you're getting ready for a test, you can like very easily just sort of abuse your body like not take breaks like eat terrible food because it's what's in the vending machine at your college library like or in your dorm like just be like really just like treating yourself kind of like crap and then you get into the test and you expect to do well and that's just like not physically how anything works um because your brain at that point is getting you know it's overworked it's like hasn't eaten right so it doesn't work totally doesn't work although we it looks like it looks like we're working I mean we're doing all the things we're sitting at the chair the computer is on the email is up or the word document we've even got our hands on the right keys but is it necessarily the same thing as working yeah no definitely not I can tell when I'm like and I feel like this is like an important like self-awareness thing like knowing when you are losing like steam and I can always start to tell when I start making spelling mistakes. Like I'm typing and I'm hearing the word and I'm, I'm using homonyms wrong um, or homophones, I guess I'm using them wrong. So I'll like type the wrong there or I'll spell a word wrong and I'm like, gotta go, gotta sleep. That's interesting. Yeah. And that reminds me like in the testing world, if you're rushing your process of elimination, you start to, make allowances rather than exploiting the gaps between the meanings of the answer choice words and the author's words, you start to allow it. You start to say, that's kind of the same thing because your brain is too tired to start distinguishing and differentiating. Again, good reason to stop the clock, take a break. If you've never heard of the 20-20-20 rule, it's a vision rule that I learned from my vision therapists and my eye doctors. 
and it works really simply. Every 20 minutes, for 20 seconds, look 20 feet away. Let me say it again. Every 20 minutes, for 20 seconds, look 20 feet away. What does that do? Well, the thing about a test is that it's near and you're looking at it. And the thing about the opposite of a test is that it's far and you're not looking at it. It's literally a vision break at its very core. The best thing to do is work by a window that doesn't have a lot of distraction outside because then you can take your break by guaranteeing you're looking 20 feet away. Hell, you could look 20 yards away, maybe 20 miles, depending on what part of the world you live in. So look outside 2020, take your breaks, whether it's a Wednesday, whether you're in the middle of the test, whether you're about to start the test, whether you're one minute into the test and suddenly you feel the panic and the pressure, take a break. What's 20 seconds? It's how long you spend rereading. It's probably half the amount of time you spend rereading when you got the freeze anyway. Let's uh, head over to our assumption lesson today. We're gonna go over some practice questions because Trudell and I can be incredibly technical. And for those of you with learning challenges, we don't wanna lose you in the process. We want you to absorb it and then make sure that you're practicing the way that we would be practicing. So in our lesson in the LSAT Boss Strategy Guide, which you can also get through our Teachable e-learning course, you get our guide, you get the video of me going through the entire assumption lesson. But here we've got this great practice question that we go over. And it's actually a quote from this guy that you may or may not know because you're a lawyer and you're not interested in science. So um, it's from Carl Sagan, brilliant science mind. And it's a quote that we put in here, and we call it the laughing at genius example. And it goes like this. Sagan says, quote, the fact that some geniuses were laughed at does not imply that all who are laughed at are geniuses. They laughed at Columbus. They laughed at Fulton. They laughed at the Wright brothers. But they also laughed at Bozo the Clown. I'm going to read it once more, but before I do, I want you to pay attention this time to a few words. I want you to pay attention to the does not imply because it's a verb. It's also very opinionated. So for me, that always tends to signal conclusion language. And then the word but before we reference Bozo the Clown, because a but, as you know, is a contrast, which means we're differentiating between a list and then another individual. So I'm going to read it again, and then we're going to let Trudell tell us which ones the conclusion was, what the premise was. And we'll be able to prephrase that assumption, which is all stuff that you need to do before you look at the answer choices. So one more time, here we go. The fact that some geniuses were laughed at does not imply that all who are laughed at are geniuses. They laughed at Columbus, they laughed at Fulton, they laughed at the Wright brothers, but they also laughed at Bozo the Clown. Break it down for us. Let's hear the world of Trudell. Okay, so... In your head, you want it to be like premise, assumption, conclusion. Um, and I know. I love when that happens. It's so easy. I feel right? so right when it's at the end, right? Yes. It's like a fun Friday afternoon. Like, that's that question. It's not a Wednesday. Right. But this quote is a Wednesday. So, so Wednesday. An unfortunate level of Wednesday. So, okay. <laughs> they start, he starts with the conclusion. He mm. says, you know, just because, like, they were laughed at does not imply that they were geniuses. That is the conclusion. And he starts out with it. And he has given you no support whatsoever at that point. Then he follows up with his premise, which is they laughed at, um, you know. Columbus. Columbus. Fulton. Fulton. 
characters. Mm -hmm. And then that they also laughed at Bozo the Clown that are just sort of statements of what happened. And that's how you can identify that it's a premise. So just to clarify, you mean that there's a premise that's saying they laugh at Columbus, Fulton, and the Wright brothers. And then because of the but, it lines up or sets up a second premise. And the second premise is, but they also laughed at Bozo. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, and all of those are but do you want me to get into the assumption there can you prephrase it for us because we love that causal assumption formula the only reason for the conclusion is the premise or i think the way that you prefer it because the premise comma conclusion so basically what he says here is because they laughed at all four of these people then but the assumption there is really that that they are similar in in most ways and therefore you know we can except for this one specific way right is and they're they're like a fair comparison point so uh, what you're saying is the the use of that word but kind of says well three of these guys are all the same and the fact that we have this ugly duckling that's really the key to the premise that we're going to use for the assumption. So the only reason we know that the genius implication doesn't apply the only reason we know that some geniuses who were laughed at, just because some geniuses were laughed at doesn't mean that everyone we laugh at is a genius, is because of Exhibit A, Bozo the Clown. It's not about Columbus. It's not about Fulton. It's not about the Wright brothers. It was about this ugly duckling that stuck out. And so when we're looking for the keywords that are the components of the premise and conclusion, I think a telltale sign here is when we make an exception. There's a generality, there's something where everybody's analogous except we find this one thing that's different. Boom, that's what's gonna give us the keywords that we need to think about the conclusion. All right, so let's do another one. And this one is about candy. So I'm sorry for talking about all the savory earlier. We will return to gummies. This one's a really interesting one because it's not quite causal. It's more of what we would call an abductive argument. So that means that this one thing A leads to this other thing B that leads to this other thing C. So in this argument, I want you to pay very careful attention to the beginning of the sequence and the end of the sequence because that's what we're connecting. And you can get very misled in this argument because it looks like it's actually something from Latin called modus tollendo ponens, which suggests that if you have two options or even three options, phi and let's call them phi and psi, that if you don't have phi, you must have psi, okay? And that's something that you're going to see in this argument, but it's embedded or sandwiched in the middle of it. And so again, I want you to remember that I asked you to think about what ha- what is the beginning of the sequence and how does it start. So here it goes. Gummy candy that is extremely sour is produced only in worm, bear, or ball form. A sour cherry additive used in the Trolley brand gummy candy cannot be used in worm form because it would require too much of the additive to flavor a gummy of that size and not be too sour. So, since Trolley Trolley doesn't have the manufacturing capacity to begin offering gummies in ball form, Trolley's sour gummies will most likely be produced in bear form. Now, did you hear how there were three forms? Worm bear, ball, and then the first thing, the worm, we eliminate that. We said they cannot be used in worm form. It will require too much of the additive. And then they say, so since Trolley doesn't have the manufacturing capacity to begin offering gummies in ball form, that means we're eliminating the ball. So we had worm, bear, ball. We eliminate worm and ball. 
we conclude bear. But we can't say the assumption is that the only reason it'll be most likely produced in bear form is that we eliminated the other two. That's not the reason why, because that fails to take into account the beginning of the sequence. I'll read it again and let's see if Trudell can tell us what the beginning of the sequence is. Gummy candy that is extremely sour is produced only in worm, bear, or ball form. That was the first sentence. So what is the original or what is the first premise in the sequence, Trudell? Is it that they're only produced in these three forms or is there this other factor that we actually learn about right at the beginning? That it's extremely sour. And you can even turn that into a condition. You can say, if gummy candy is extremely sour, then it'll be produced only in three forms. Then we eliminate two and are left with the last one. And so the assumption is that the only reason it's most likely pr produced in bare form is because it's, it's extremely sour. It's extremely sour. The correct answer, word for word, says Trolley Brand's sour cherry additive is extremely sour. And we acted as if that was a trolley gummy producer that was providing this argument. You can find this in our LSAT Boss Logical Reasoning Guide. You can download the entire e-teachable, or excuse me, you can download the entire teachable e-learning platform or just the logical reasoning portion, and you can move through that entire practice question with us and then do all your assumption homework. I'd like to thank Trudell again for hanging out with us today. Y'all know how busy but enjoyable her Fridays are, so we're going to let her get back to them. But thank you all so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a good review. Head to our website to check out more about our products and services. And don't forget to come back next time because Trudell will be back to talk about none other than strengthening questions. And frankly, that's just more about assumptions. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, come back next time because everything builds off the last thing that we do. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day, folks. Thanks, Shauna. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. May not always come to plan Sometimes I don't know what to do I just wanna be free Fly away, birds and bees Fly through the trees Right by you, you by me This podcast has been brought to you by Ginsburg Advanced Tutoring. Find us on the web at www.ginsburgadvancedtutoring.com.